Welcome to episode 257 of the No Persinium Podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the NoPro headquarters in Los Angeles. This week on the show, Jay Rinsky, the founder, CEO, and creative director of Little Cinema and Little Cinema Digital, is here to talk about um kind of kind of their their big their big pivot, uh their pandemic pivot. Uh Little Cinema's been doing uh, you know, premiere parties for television shows and films for a few years now, as well as doing, uh, you know, audience facing work uh, in New York, but they've been traveling around the country doing stuff out in LA. Uh, Jay's going to tell us about something that was planned for South by Southwest. Uh, it's one of those really frustrating, like, oh, that sounds really cool and pandemic stories. Um, and since we all went into lockdown, uh, they've made this this big pivot into doing these online uh, cinemas that they've been making for the studios, a uh, combination of a secure channel for releasing uh, the, the premiere of a show. Uh, they just, I'm recording this on Friday, uh, they just did one last night for uh, The Alienist. And uh, tacked on to that is the after party. And these after parties have been getting increasingly elaborate. And last night's after party was the most elaborate of all. Um, you'll see a picture uh, of the uh, of the the swag box that was sent in the show notes. Uh, I've also got a little video of an unboxing I might put up. Um, uh, but the the big thing they did is they did this multi-act, multi-room, uh, murder mystery. And the good news is, is if you're listening to this on Friday, you still have time to go get a ticket to the fan event version of this that they're doing this Sunday, the 19th, uh, where they're recreating the party that they did. Uh, the swag boxes are not included because uh, those things clearly were, were cost a lot of money for them to send to like press people and, and, and uh, folks. Uh, you know, at home watching the premiere who would have, you know, gone to the big party. But uh, you uh, get to go check it out for free and all the clues will be available digitally. So I think you're going to have uh, a pretty fun time if you're able to get a hold of that. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into uh, what they've been doing, which has really been fascinating uh, this in, this uh, entire time. Uh, probably the most interesting, definitely the best video platform I've seen um, in this entire time. And, uh, well, we'll, we'll get into it. Um, I don't, sometimes in the opening, it's like, well, what can I do? But like steal the thunder of, of the episode. So just you know, listen, it's a good one. Uh, it's exciting. I learned a lot. I, I got, I'm super excited by the end of this. So there you go. Um, Hey, this show doesn't exist. Nothing. No proscenium does, whether it's the website, whether it's everything immersive, uh, whether it's uh, you know answering people's questions, uh, doing all the things we do, none of it exists without the Patreon uh, and the support of our Patreon backers. Um, uh, it it doesn't cover all the bills, uh, and in this day and age, <laughs> help. Uh, but uh, without it, 
um, we would just have to shut down all operations. So thank you to everyone who backs us. We've got one new backer out this time, Danny Feldman. Thank you so much, Danny. Uh, we're on the road to 350 backers. We're only, uh, that's our next big milestone number. We're just 16 backers away from that number. So uh, if you can, uh, please do. Uh, and if you can't, let everyone know. We need the help. Our sustaining backers are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hanson, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Samuel Mystery, Sydney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, Brittany, and Elaine. You can join them all at patreon.com slash no proscenium, and we do need the support. All right, with that done, um, if you are a creator and you're looking to get your stuff listed on no proscenium these days, the way to do it is to send stuff to us via everythingimmersive.com. That is the uh, still in beta website that we're uh, developing. It's a, it's going to be a searchable database of all things immersive. Uh, and right now what we're doing with it is that's how we're ingesting all listings. So uh, we're ingest the listings there and get them up on the NoPro Newswire. And then when it's ready for public consumption, uh, it'll all just be on EI, which is really great. So everythingimmersive.com is how you find that. And again, that's still that's still creative facing. We're, we're still ironing out some stuff uh, and making a, a good end user experience. But for those of you who are also looking for stuff, you know, it's, it's, it's not too bad. Uh, you should go check it out. It's in beta. So there will be days where it just like, you know, breaks down. But but for the end users, I'd say start looking at it. We, we, we could use it. Our dev won't be happy with me saying that. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way it is. So kick the tires. See what you think. All right. There we go on that. Um, hey, let's just let's get into this interview. And uh, I'll talk to you a bit on the other side. Jay, thanks for meeting me online today. Um, it's it's been a few months since we've talked. Uh, you know, nothing major has happened in the world since then. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe you could fill everybody in on uh, on what you've been working on uh, in this uh, year of our chaos, twenty twenty. Because because things have been things have actually been like interesting in a kind of positive way for you over at Little Cinema. Fill everybody in what you've been up to. Uh, so, I mean, the beginning of the year was extremely exciting. We strike a part. We struck a partnership with Paramount Pictures uh, for a giant South by Southwest art piece uh, that was going to go into ACL Live, a venue of two and a half thousand people. Um, we ACL took, Live being the Austin City Limits. That's Austin the Austin City, City Limits, Limits yeah. space. Yeah, legendary so, space. That's right. We rented that space out for four days. We got 10,000 RSVPs to come and see an installation we worked on uh, with the Institute of Sound and Music from Berlin, where we took six giant screens, uh, 52 sp uh, speaker sound config configuration, and recut a film they'd given us, uh, Anton Fuqua's Infinite, that's scheduled to be released in uh, 2021, starring Mark Wahlberg. They gave us, uh, they've opened up the Paramount vaults and gave us access to the unedited film and allowed us to create an 11 minute art piece uh, that kind of touches on the concept of reincarnation. This was scheduled to premiere at South by Southwest and 
was basically the beginning, a very strong opening to 2021, three days before the activation. South by suddenly took uh, the COVID warning seriously. The mayor of Texas, uh, the mayor of Austin decided, advised to not uh, run the festival. And I found myself on a scary flight home from Austin to New York with my team that were based from Australia and Germany, trying, scrambling to get back into their country. Arrived back at my, uh, at my home in Brooklyn, uh, I think on March 11th or 12th. And the world shut down, like li- literally just like dominoes, this, the surrealism kicked in. Our next big project was meant to be uh, the launch of the HBO Max brand at the Warner Brothers lot, where we planned this giant fantasy land of all their IPs blending into one. And I uh, got a phone call from um, Eileen Quast, which is a, a VP of, uh, of special events at Warner Media. Um, expressing that um, every the plans are still kind of going ahead. They're still launching the still launching HBO Max, uh, and they want to come up with you know interesting and creative and innovative solutions. Uh, whatever goes on in this world, basically. So, I found myself in this kind of interesting position as a you know specializing in IRL and specializing in you know, immersive experiences that are all about human connection and, and face-to-face relationships, uh, taking a moment to think how, how and if this translates to computers, uh, to desktops with everyone kind of being remote. And everyone, you know, I think it was a kind of frantic moment in time where just kind of everyone was calling everyone. Uh, and a lot of people that I know in the agency world were looking into... Um, uh, games and game developers and Twitch and, you know, an industry that's kind of been operating remotely for a very long time. Um, and the first people that I got to experience that kind of literally, I think it was two days later, uh, House of Yes were very quick to act. And House of Yes is, you know, uh, really where Little Cinema was born. And they, um, and they threw a virtual party on Zoom. And I could not imagine that being fun. I could not imagine myself enjoying uh, enjoying dancing alone in my living room on a Zoom link. But I decided to attend it, and uh, and I ended up seeing a whole bunch of friends that I knew. And it and I found myself just dancing in the living room, and I realized that you know it's all about a live kind of human connection and human interaction. Uh, so that was a kind of breakthrough moment that virtual events you know, can be, you know, if, if, if you nail the live aspect and the human connection, something interesting can happen. Uh, and the next big, the next big realization, at least on the film and TV side of things was just the amount of security protocols that need to go into screening uh, their content and knowing that they will need to premiere this and knowing that they will need to have a, a very, a secure, slick and modern platform to premiere all their content. Um, so having a kind of deep realization of how that industry works, I basically took my life savings partnered with a very talented, uh, creative technologist called John Blair. And we started, uh, little cinema digital, which is designed to create, um, virtual cinemas, uh, virtual tools, uh, that, 
you know, implement and translate that IRL experience as much as possible and take all the security protocols that these uh, big film studios need for their content into place. Things like DRM and two-factor authentications and, you know, uh, one-time passcodes uh, and the list kind of goes on. And we literally set to work. Um, so that was that was kind of March 15th. Um, it was also around the same time that a bunch of uh, a bunch of people got laid off. Uh, so we were pretty fortunate to find talent relatively quickly, and we staffed up uh, with back end engineers, with front end engineers, um, uh, animation uh, designers, uh, really any kind of bit of talent that we could get our hands on. Um, we had a, a keen client with HBO Max really pushing us to innovate as much as we can. Um, and we found ourselves just, you know, very quickly to be the only real uh, creative studio that built its own technology and its own platform from the grounds up uh, that has all the security protocols that the big studios needs, that has the actual kind of um, modern creative, you know, slickness to the design and to the interface and also that was able to figure out the streaming game uh, relatively uh, successfully. So, you know, to give you an example, our first event ran six live concurrent streams at the same time where actors were literally live chatting to all the guests at the premiere. And that was, you know, that was something new for us. It was something new for the guests. Uh, and, you know, with that little cinema digital was born. And uh, next thing you know, it, we kind of found ourselves working with most major studios uh, on the virtual sides uh, from, you know, Nat Geo and MGM and Orion Pictures and CBS and kind of the list goes on. I was, I was there. That first one was Snowpiercer, if memory serves. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's I right. Was, you you I even was, got the box. Did you? I even got the box. I got the whole night. So like, so just to, to, to give people a full picture of what you guys did, you know, and cause this, this came together, it, it felt like it came together overnight and so quickly. And so I was so shocked at how much polish was in what you built. So a few days before, uh, and this was early enough on in pandemic time that like, it was still in the, 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 the mode where like, I was like letting all of my packages or all my mail like, <laughs> cool down for three days. So about five days before the premiere night, I get this package, um, which, uh, I didn't, didn't even look at <laughs> for like a couple of days and then open it up and inside was a box. So a package in a package, uh, with the Snowpiercer branding on it, opened that up, found there was a graphic novel, uh, like one of the graphic novels in the Snowpiercer series. Um, there was uh, a couple of uh, uh, highball glasses. Uh, there's a there was a tarot card, uh, a few a few other a few other things in there, and then a separate package came in that was uh, a small box that included some uh whiskey i think it was bullet yeah um a couple of different uh, a little a little thing of grand manier a little a little simple syrup got i've got those somewhere around here a uh, little mini bar things and then a sprig of rosemary <laughs> and uh and the ingredients list for a cocktail 
And the, the, the whole spiel that night was, you know, you, you log in at a certain time, there was a chat room going on, uh, on one side of the screen, there was some motion graphics happening at the start of things before things really kicked off with a timer. Um, you could sit there and see the people logging on. You saw everybody's real name. At one point, the showrunner, Graham Mason, who's the creator of Orphan Black, showed up. And I was like, oh, my God, that's that's the creator of Orphan Black is in here with me. And then I saw like people I knew who had gotten invited, um, you know, TV reviewers, one of whom was like a, an ex-housemate of mine. I was like, <laughs> oh, this feels like I feel like I'm at a Hollywood premiere because there's people I know running around working. There's famous people that I don't dare approach. Uh, and I'm just, and I'm doing this all from the comfort of my own home. And then the thing that didn't feel like a Hollywood premiere is that at the exact time things are supposed to start, things started. <laughs> so like yeah. the video starts rolling, like Jennifer Connelly like appears on screen and says like, welcome to what we're up to. And then the episode streams and afterwards there were there was you know the the six different rooms and you jump into the different rooms and there's a chat room in each room that's separate it but it's all one interface so it felt like your own private version of twitch going on and you know i i've been sitting here this entire time wondering like if this was something you guys built if you get something that you guys hired someone to build or if this was something that warner media just had like lying around like the basic coding. And so to hear that you guys dived in at, at, at full speed is just, it's, it's hyper impressive what you've managed to build. Um, and I think the focus on matching the aesthetic of the show, yeah. uh, which you've done each time I've seen a couple of these things now uh, it just, it goes such a long way towards creating uh, a vibe and a sense of space. I, I've, at this point, I've seen this one. I saw it as a Snowpiercer, uh, Love Life, where you had Paul Feig, uh, mm, yeah. you know, doing the cocktail bartending duties, uh, and Legendary, um, which uh, just just a show All that I was back like, to back within two oh, weeks. <laughs> yeah, just boom, boom. Yeah, yeah that's happening. Just boom, 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 and. And you brought in you brought in performers for for Snowpiercer and had a whole thing. And then with each one, you've you've kind of you've taken an approach of really sort of trying to 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 bring out bring out the the show. It's been it's been a really interesting some of the most interesting work I've seen yeah. in this entire period of time. Well, I will say, and if uh, if people at Warner Media are just listening to this podcast, I do want to give a huge shout out to Eileen Quast. Uh, Kevin Brockman, Jory Arncino, uh, and uh, Reina, uh, which have been pushing us to innovate on every single event and every single premiere. So, you know, going from Snowpiercer, uh, which was the first one out of the gate, and uh, and was and and by the way, just to your note, what we try and do with every single major premiere is capture the essence or the soul of the show. Snowpiercer was all class warfare and all art deco. So it was kind of cre creating and translating that narrative uh, within the design and also within the selecting, you know, the curation of the performance and the activation. Legendary is the mother of all, you know, dance battles. Um, so we figured out how to do, um, how, to, how to write a Zoom, um, 
a Zoom gateway that allowed us to bring in 100 plus dancers and have all the audience members, you know, rate the dancers in a kind of giant epic battle. So they were all really about design to capture the essence of the soul and of the show and to do things differently from each premiere. If you remember the previous podcast, the little cinema etiquette has always been every single thing we do. We try and do something new. We try and up our game uh, and we try something that we've kind of never tried before. And in this instance, we had these three giant premieres back to back. So that was very much a challenge. And that, that iteration from Snowpiercer to Legendary, uh, I was, I was like pretty, pretty impressed by because there was it, you, you know, you went from something that felt a little static and just, you know, just, just to be you, you know, honest here, like whatever was happening on the Snowpiercer night, it felt like the, the live performers weren't able to connect with whatever we were doing in the chat rooms. Like they felt like a little bit of a disconnect there, but then in the next iteration, whatever, whatever was happening that was out of sync that night when it came time for love life, that was gone. And then by the time we hit, legendary not only was that gone but you had the video stuff going on you know we were we were all uh shipped like gorilla grip style things so that we could like i got the legendary box i got a if anyone wants a bunch of makeup uh (laughs) like we were giving stuff to like make ourselves be like as devastatingly fabulous as we could and encouraged to like get our get our catwalk on and all that stuff was supposed to like you know uh, excuse me, our ballroom on uh, yeah. all that. I, I gotta say, like, I I wasn't planning on watching that show, and I and it just completed. Like, I think it's just ran its series. And I'm gonna I'm gonna binge watch it. But I was so <laughs> nice. I was so like moved by it. Like, I was sitting there crying watching that show because of how good. Like, I'm not a big reality TV person, or even reality TV uh, competition person. But when one of them works well, uh, it was it was super fantastic. And, and also there's a, there's a sketch on the, uh, the black lady sketch show, which is also a HBO mm-hmm. show that was like making its way around. Um, that was about, uh, it was like, it was, it was a basic ballroom, you know, competition. And so it was, mm-hmm. and I would not have understood anything that was going on in that sketch, if not for legendary, but because of legendary, like I, I got every reference in that sketch and was just dying of laughter. So thank you for inviting yeah. me to see that show. Uh, it, it's improved my quarantine immeasurably. Um, and, but, but, but that's, that's the other thing that's interesting here is that you, with the boxes, with what's being happened physically, uh, you're making these things participatory. You're bringing part of it into people's homes. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about about this 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 twist on a swag bag that that's right. part yeah. of the formula here. Sure. So, I mean, that was look. Necessity is the mother of invention, right? Uh, and the first thing that, you know, the first thing that we kind of realized when COVID nineteen hit is one we want to translate the IRL experience. We want to take our plans and basically translate them to this new reality, this new gravity. Two, we wanted to keep employed, you know, all the people and all the amazing talented people that we have working with us. So the swag side of things actually came from um, Max Sets, which, uh, which builds our sets, our main fabricator in LA. He's got, you know, a giant fabrication scene shop. So we were like, okay, We've got amazing um, set designers and art directors that work in film, that work in theater, you know, that make, that hand make things. 
Uh, so let's keep them, you know, keep them working uh, and just convert where we used to build the sets IRL to basically a giant logistics warehouse where we can assemble things of our choosing. So that was, you know, one of those was just kind of understanding the need and reapplying the resources of the place that we build the sets to create these physical objects in now. But the thought for it really came from, and this, you know, links back to the cocktail that you got in the mail was, okay, you go to an IRL event and there's a bar there and you get a drink. Well, let's have the bar come to you. So let's design, you know, let's design items and elements that suit the narrative of what you're about to engage and interact with and ship these to you. Um, and, you know, again, big shout out to Darcy Scallion and Matt Hill and Alex Stem that uh, really made happen the kind of swag, swag side of things for us uh, and have really pushed the envelopes. And the process there started with like, you know, number one, let's understand what the kind of soul and essence of the show. Number two, uh, let's kind of dig through YouTube and realize that almost it's all in the unboxing experience. So let's have a really unique way to. <laughs> yeah, no, you're dead on right. You're right. <laughs> to open the box. Wait, wait for the alienist one. That's that's that should be arriving in two days. And we completely kind of one up everything we've ever done on that one. Uh, oh, I, and, hope, I hope I get that. I didn't get the love life one. So I hope I get the alienist one. Oh, no, everything. So you're, you're on that. Let, let me give you a teaser for that one. Alien. No, 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 don't, don't, don't tell me. Don't okay, tell me. I, I want to be surprised. I want to be surprised. This is, and honestly, like, yes, this is, this is me at my worst. Like there's, I've always sort of the whole like influencer unboxer culture thing. Like I've always kind of looked at it askance, but I will admit it is fun getting stuff in the mail. Um, Although, I mean, who knows what's going on with the mail these days, but that's another, that's a whole other uh, that story. That was another challenge for us as well, by the way. Try and do all of this on lockdown when Amazon can't even deliver you a package on time. And you're trying to nail the package to arrive on the day of the premiere three hours before doors. So yeah. there were, yeah, a lot of a lot of logistical issues to or challenges, which, which we love. Well, and you're also, you're... You're shipping out, and I because I've seen some some BTS stuff. I think one of my favorite yeah. things was, um, oh God, I can't remember her name, but like the singer on Snowpiercer, uh, who's like a, a Broadway person, and she had one Lena of the rooms. Hmm? Lena Hall. She's Lena Hall. Tony, Tony Award winning uh, Broadway yeah. star. Yeah. She's she's and she's excellent. I mean, she ran. She was doing covers all night long in her room, and it was just it. I ultimately just tuned into that room and just stayed there and then like downloaded all her EPs the next day or nice. you know, minutes later actually. Yeah. Um, and was very proud to find out that she's like from the Bay. I was like, hell yeah. Bay or <laughs> um, uh, the, the Bay area pride. It's a thing. Um, and, but like her husband, like, like did like a little BTS like yeah. video and they had like taken a corner of their living room, set up green, like green screen was set yeah. up. There were lights like this is this is a full production and you did some like digital set replacement, uh, you know, which would be way cooler than a, than just a simple zoom background. Like you you brought a lot to it right from the jump. So that was May 14th, by the way. That was the first event out of the gate. Uh, Lena, uh, God bless her, insisted on doing everything live and, you know, wanting to respond to the crowds. You know, this is when 
a lot of those kind of events with the live to tape started taking place um, where you'd see a virtual event advertised. It was a pre-recorded video kind of uploaded to YouTube. So she wanted to do it all live. Uh, our lighting designer, Andrew Shemedeke, uh found a technology uh, devices that allowed him to control lighting over the web. So we ordered Ooh. a bunch of those. So she had a live lighting designer assigned to her from LA. Uh, our uh, sound engineer, Leo Leche, was in Hawaii, and he was dialing in and remote uh, controlling uh, Ableton. So he was live mixing her as she was singing from Hawaii. And then uh, Jeff Slaby, our animator, uh, created um, ba uh, backgrounds that we put on the green screen that matched the camera angle. Uh, and then we added another layer of visual effects of smoke uh, on top because we couldn't get a smoke machine into her basement uh, and, you know, mixed that all in. So it was it was very much a full live production, um, you know, and I guess the other component of it, a lot of these things are done on Zoom. And that's where our platform came in handy. We built our own video player. So we were able to uh, stream that to you with almost zero compression and very little latency. And, um, yeah, that's kind of, you know, that's where the, the quality and the attention to detail, I, th I hope, really came through in the strength of the performance. We're going to wait a second because, as you can hear, there's a leaf blower guy right outside my window. Um, just just super convenient. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll cut that out. So. No worries. And, I can't wait for you to get the alienist, by the way. Uh, oh yeah, this is the bo the box for that. You're gonna die. Because right, yeah. I want to I want to pick up on what you said. I don't want to lose this thread. Sure. The level of detail that you're putting in here does come through in the final product in a way that, I mean, there's there's a lot. Hold on, the, the, I can hear the the sound too much. Let me let's just let this guy pass through all the way. He's gonna he's gonna sure. go up one way and come down the other. Uh, <laughs> just blowing dirt. Course. He's just blowing dirt too. Yeah. It's just like there's there's no there's never a point. Yeah, it's jobs. I know there was a guy like that outside my house the other day that I, I just I couldn't wrap my head around what he's actually doing, and he was just yeah blowing dirt. Yeah, this side. this this is every week. It's usually later in the day too. So naturally, they just they just decide to come when it's least convenient for me. Usually, they come around four, so got it. I don't schedule things at four. So I've got something at two. <laughs> so they come around two. It's just like thanks, thanks guys. Really, really helpful. Yes, yes. I believe there's more dirt in the street. Go blow it over there. Yes, go get that dirt that needs to be blown pointlessly. Christ Almighty, it's Los Angeles. We don't have leaves. Jeez. No. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. It's just I don't I don't want the the sound of the blower on the recorder sure. like, not like this yeah. close. Um, this once interrupted a two hour long podcast that was really wonderful. Wow. Um, uh, wow, he's just sticking in one place for a minute. Going. That's that's all right. I'm in no rush. It's all all good. We can take our time. Um, drives me it literally drives me insane um they they what is this why is it like this come on guys wrap it up 
Um, because of course, like the longer it goes, like the more my windows to be closed, and then like the the sweltering it gets. Um, okay, it's far enough away that it's all right. The attention to detail that you put into this stuff, it really shines through in the final product. And I mean, right now we're stuck in this mode where so many people are relying upon Zoom. Uh, so th- th- people are dropping things on Twitch, and there's a lot of tools out there for people to play with, but like. You know how it is for like most, for most theater people. Like, it's not our wheelhouse. It's not our forte. Um, how how difficult is this stuff? You know, to to get at the level of polish that you guys are, are dealing with. Because you've been talking about open yeah. front end people, back end people, video people. Yeah. I mean, how big is the how how many people are on a team on one of these yeah. events? Live streaming. I mean, each look the. About thirty. I mean, about our staff's about thirty people, um, and everyone comes together for each event. So far, they've been you know one after the other. We're now starting to get to a point where we're kind of building additional teams so that we can handle multiple projects at the same time. But a bit of history of Little Cinema, you know, our specialty is multidisciplinary. We we started by taking films and mixing them in with you know live performers and mixing live performers across the, a variety of disciplines from you know the arts the circus arts to um, to live music to puppeteers and kind of you know a real fusion. So we applied the same thinking basically to you know technology as well, which we've you know always dabbled in and what's what has been created is the fact that everything is uh internal to little cinema so it's not you know we're not an agency that then goes out and finds all these um sub and sub vendors by basically taking front-end engineers back-end engineers coders uh that are you know still have a kind of creative side to them and putting them in a room with lighting designers and theater directors uh and animators and getting everybody kind of excited, you know, and talking to one another about serving the story, the story of love life, the story of Snowpiercer, whatever the kind of narrative is, it just created a really interesting environment where we're, you know, a fusion of a technology company, like a real tech startup with product managers and engineers and a theater company with, you know, a narrative department um, and, you know, directors and producers uh, that specialize on this other side and, and having, having these two teams or, you know, these multiple disciplines communicate about what's the best way of telling the story. It's kind of exciting for everybody because, you know, you're developing storytelling tools through technology and you're, you're, you're learning about each other, each other's discipline. You know, one way of telling the story might create a really insane amount of work for the devs or, you know, uh, which can be solved with design or can be solved with narrative or can have other solutions and vice versa. So there's always a dialogue of like, how do we tell the story? Great. How much work does it create for each one of these departments? What's our solution to implement this within this time frame? Uh, another thing, by the way, to note, I think that's been important to our success is we launched a streaming division. That was thanks to John Blair, our CTO, that kind of comes from a live streaming background. Uh, but we put together an SLA in place. We set up a live stream studio. We uh, purchased our own streaming kits. So we also created an environment where everything can be controlled from the code base 
to the design, to the lives, you know, to the streaming kits that go out to talent uh, or, you know, to their remote homes. And, uh, you know, across these three divisions, if you'd like, it's really how we're able to kind of maintain that level of quality uh, and strike time after time with zero technical difficulties, knock on wood, to date. Were some of these things you were having conversations about pre-pandemic? I mean, I'm just so Bob's fact is like how how quickly you put together like not everybody could throw that that combination of a team together, you know? Like that's so like how how did I, I want to talk about the event that's that's coming up because you're about to have your first thing that's public facing as well. And I think that's that's a big big part of what's what I want to finish the episode off with, but I'm, I'm still so fascinated by how it came together. So yeah, like these little conversations are going or. So look, speed, speed is in our genes. I mean, there's a 2016 article from Forbes that kind of calls us the SNL of immersive theater and talks about, you know, how we're able to produce a new theater show on a weekly basis. Uh, That's so that's, you know, this kind of like just, go for it uh until until the lights are on is lights are off is is just it's in that dna of little cinema it's it's speed and it's quality and it's excellence and it's just against a crazy deadline and through through these years you know there's obviously the core team of little cinema but we've also established just a giant network of talent you know of talent that we know as soon as the pandemic hit everyone was out of work Everyone had time. Uh, we had a great roller decks already. And then I think it was honestly the excitement and the deadline. So it was the excitement of how do we break the Zoom party and do something new and unique and interesting uh, that made everybody just work around the clock. You know, f- like it's been, it, it, was, it was seven days a week, 14 hours a day uh, for a majority of the team to meet these deadlines but what's, what was driving us was this, you know, exciting sense of innovation. I mean, like, you know, our some of our devs were saying these were like the most exciting projects they got to work on in their career. E- effectively reinventing theater, you know, and that kind of is leading us to, to this next piece that we're trying to do with the Alienist, which is, you know, build on this multiple room experience, build on this human interaction and see if we can come kind of come up with an interesting way to offer a unique real a, a real theater based narrative experience remotely um so let's, yeah, so let's and, get into that so the, the sure. premieres this week but following the premiere on sunday you're going to have a public facing sort of like post i guess is, is it coming out after the episode uh timed live video event that people can register for it. It's sort of the first, the first time you've taken one of these and made a, essentially a fan event and not just a premiere. Correct. So this is again, in, in full creative credit to, to Warner media for, and for TNT for pushing, pushing the envelope. They one encouraged us to keep pushing the envelope. Uh, The alien is uh, it's, for the premiere of the Alienist Angel of Darkness that's coming out on July 19th. And uh, they, this was a joint effort between their events team and their marketing division. Events team wanted to create basically a just really unique after party. So on July 16th, uh, we're doing the, you know, 
a main red carpet campaign. Swag boxes are being sent to press, to influencers, to VIPs. They've got this, you know, uh, dossier to explore in the after party that we're going to screen the um, securely the episode one of The Alienist ahead of time. And then in this red carpet closed off premiere event, we're going to do this first murder mystery activation. This murder mystery is similar to what you've seen at Snowpiercer, just with a whole lot of added narrative. We basically wrote uh, Matt Hill, our writer and director, uh, which also works with a uh, rogue theater group, um, uh, you know, wrote a beautiful world that could have been like the Alienist version three, and it, we turned it into an experience. Uh, it's a sixty-minute experience where you're you're you get a bunch of clues. You're live interacting with all these characters, and you're trying to solve the murder mystery. The marketing department uh, kind of jumped in on this and realized that this is you know also a really unique way uh, to launch the episode that airs to the public and turn this into a fan event. So they've decided to take this creative that has was developed for the red carpet event and offer it to the public. And this is the first time we're also offering, uh, opening up the platform uh, as a public event, which we're really excited, uh, excited about to see, you know, if it kind of has legs as a public facing uh, virtual theater, if you'd like. And on Sunday, July 19th, um, an hour and a half before the Alienist season two airs on TNT. Uh, we are, you know, anyone can register on our Eventbrite link, get the dossier package and basically go in, have 60, 60 minutes to interact with uh, 12 of our live actors across seven different sets that we've built, uh, find the different clues, ask the right questions and see if they can spot the real murderer out of, uh, out of all these rooms. And as the event ends, uh, everyone will be redirected to, uh, watch TNT, to watch the season, you know, the open season, uh, on TNT, um, as it airs. So yeah, this is, it's, you know, I'm, I'm excited about this for a number of reasons. One the creative of the alienist it, it's just it's an amazing uh it's an amazing um series and it's incredibly cinematic and it really allowed us to try and push the envelope on having a very cinematic treatment to a virtual event setting so we created a whole bunch of uh video assets you know and segues and transitions to go with the creative it allowed it's it's all based on a murder mystery so it allowed us to take you know this classic theater bottle of a murder mystery and apply it to our platform and it's the first one that we're you know it's not just you know industry and press it's it, it's fans and you know i'm curious to see if it stands the test of uh i'm a fan of the alienist or i'm just a theater fan or i love going to broadway uh, or I'm, you know, stuck in COVID and I'm sick of another Zoom party and I'm looking for something interesting uh, to see if we're able to kind of create that excitement um, of a live event. Um, you know, so that's, um, it's opening up. Uh, our registration closes Friday. If there's any way to share the link around this podcast, uh, I would love people to, uh, to get a chance to attend it. Oh, it's, it's going out. The listing's up okay. on everything immersive even as we talk. Uh, so if someone's listening to this right now and you, you don't want to wait for the show notes, uh, you yeah. know, jump on into the website. You will find it there. And 
I think we're also going to like push it out uh, to the the patrons uh, so they get like a, a heads up that you know we're going to be be running around because I I'm really excited for like the immersive you know core community yes. to see the platform you guys have built um, just because you know I I and I've said this I think I've even I think maybe even said it on the show I've definitely said it privately like I look at something that like the kids over at Escaton are doing and mm. like how much how much fun that show is and they're doing it and yet they're like they're sort of like locked with zoom right and i think they've got like 30 videos or something like that going going at once and all these different zoom rooms and i just look at the tool you've built and the show they've built and i'm like oh yeah. man peanut butter and chocolate like just get <laughs> get these things together and and thinking about how like not everything we're doing right now is going to survive or carry through once we've beaten COVID, right? right? Even if it takes a couple of years, like, and, and, and that's a whole nother kettle of horribly stinky yes. fish. But there are some things about this moment where, where things are getting hybridized and it's things like Eschaton, it's things like the Underpresents Tempest, and it's the work you've been doing. It's stuff like some of the the, the first person escape room things mm. where you could have, I can see a future where there's a physical event that's happening and there's a digital reflection, right? Uh, I could see a thing where you got, there's a little cinema you know, real physical event that kind of 10,000 people are going to come through ACL to experience this premiere. And then at the same time online, there's a shadow of it. There isn't the exact same thing, but the world you build and the platform you've got can give people a taste of it. And that suddenly all of these, all of these events, things like South by Southwest things like Comic-Con where you've had to put so many resources to get there uh, and the throughput is so small that suddenly now one round of creative can be done and it can be shared out far beyond the physical and still a high premium on the physical and people are going to want to go. I mean, like as cool as it was to like drop into legendary and the first thing I saw in the chat room was Jamila Jamil like telling some ribald story that I caught the end of. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then Megan the Stallion was like laughing. And I'm like, where am I? Like just absolute culture shock. Just like what is going on? Uh, that again, absolutely captured the experience of going to an actual like Hollywood premiere. Like, my God, there's Chris Pine. His head is so big. Like, you know, like th- th- those those yeah. things which I've experienced uh, w- when I saw stuff you guys did live. Um, those absurdities uh, uh, do translate into this space, yeah. uh, and and I just I I, I think it's going to survive the moment. I think that we're going to still have what you're doing right now, what the under is doing, what Eschaton is doing. Um, 
be well, part of the cultural conversation going forward. A hundred percent. By the way, the Eschaton stuff is amazing. And if, uh, if they're listening in, uh, they should definitely hit us up. <laughs> and we'd love to, we'd love to partner uh, and offer the technologies that we're developing to them because uh, their work is incredible. Um, and I think to your point, look, the world has changed. It's just flat out. It's not, we're not going to come back to the same world as we know it. And hopefully come back to a better world and with lessons learned. And I don't think IRL events are ever going away, but there is a big benefit to these virtual events, especially when done right. Throughput is a major one of them. You know, the, uh, the fact that there's no need for travel, the fact that you can do things on a really global scale. You know, these premieres that we've done uh, for Warner Media on the same dollar spend where they typically get about 200, 300 people, they're able to get 10 times the amount of people to attend and enjoy themselves, you know. Um, and some of these Hollywood execs are even saying it's a better, it's a better than an IRL version. They don't need to drive. They can have as many drinks as they want. Um, you know, it's, it's easy for them to, they can communicate with a bunch of people at once as opposed to being kind of segue in all these kind of conversations that they get hijacked to. Um, so there's definitely, there is definitely, I don't think this is going away. I think if anything, it's again, a, a real unique time to push forward and to innovate. Um, and we're having discussions, you know, with kind of the, the spark this had with like Lena Hall from Broadway really enjoyed, you know, really enjoyed uh, performing in this way. You know, we're trying to figure out if there's, if there's a future, uh, you know, of turning in these Broadway theaters into live, you know, a, a way for them to live stream uh, some of this content and just tell the story in a new and a different way. Um, also for little cinema, We've been doing all of these live streams from performers' bedrooms, um, you know, due to COVID restrictions. But we're actually looking into spaces at the moment where we could set up, you know, a giant theater space with a variety of different live stream stations that the actors can come in. The set is built, and they can still have that live interaction with you, which, in my humble opinion, is what makes these virtual events uh, so much fun. The fact that you know that the the video is not pre-recorded. That you know, yeah. it's a real live person having an interaction. Those with eagle ears will hear that there was an edit. That's because we had a little glitch in the system, i.e. my internet failed. The good news is you got to hear that episode. We didn't lose the <laughs> file, so we're very happy right now. Um, Jay, this is the first time you guys have done one for the public. So just just if someone, if someone doesn't necessarily know what it is to expect on this, What's what's the pitch here sure. for for the folks who maybe don't know the alienist even? They don't need to know the alienist. So this is a 60-minute interactive murder mystery called Who Killed Alejandro Valdez? And in this experience, uh, we will be emailing you a dossier that has uh, a bunch of clues. It has all these fake uh, news articles that we've written dating back to the world of the alienist. So it's all built on New York. It's a period piece of New York City in 1897. So you get a bunch of clues. You get, um, you get different ledgers. You get newspapers that we've written. 
you get photos of all the main characters and their relationship to, uh, to Mr. Valdez. And then ultimately over a series of three acts, you get to jump between the different rooms and the different scenarios, be it Delmonico's, the Magician's Theater, the just suffragist uh, HQ, uh, and you travel back in time to, you know, a gilded New York City where you encounter live performers and live actors that are broadcasting um, from these period sets that we've built that are a combination of live set design with green screens. Um, and they have these giant monitors that they're able to see the chat and the questions that you um, have to them. And they basically bounce between scripted narrative that we've written and real-time response to the way you interact with them, as well as we're constantly unleashing new clues. Um, and at the end of these three acts, you get to decide who you think the real murderer was. Uh, and we play you a different video based on, uh, on who you've chosen. So it's, 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 I'm calling this a little bit ADD theater because ultimately there's about seven and a half hours of content and you've got 60 minutes to jump around all these rooms and explore them. Uh, very much like, you know, uh, Sleep No More in New York City, that you've got a giant building to explore in a very short amount of time. Uh, and it all depends on who you go and who you experience. Uh, you know, there's the version of the one-on-ones if you're able to make it into the jail cell and kind of speak to the innocent man. Um, there's a real... Um, kind of spoiler alert, but we've partnered with an amazing escape artist, Jonathan Goodwin, uh, that will be broadcasting from Vegas, a huge uh, live escape room stunt, uh, where you need to solve a series of puzzles with him live and like literally decide whether he drowns and or if he's able to escape out of the tank. So it's going to be a combination, a fusion of theater, a fusion of spectacle, you know, uh, and a fusion of just kind of good old entertainment. Amazing. And all for the amazing price of nothing, nothing. Got to love, so. got to love a premiere event. Got to love a premiere event. Um, uh, yeah. You thank know. you. Thank you. TNT. They basically TNT marketing, if you'd like have went out and bought your, you know, price of admission for you to come and experience uh, creative theater uh, murder mystery. They've given us full creative control. They encourage us to be as innovative as we can. And they just said, let us buy you lovely listeners of this podcast, a ticket and you pay nothing. If folks want to work with you guys, like you're 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 working with the studios right now on these premiere parties, this platform's got a lot of potential in here. Uh, you mentioned uh, when I brought up Eschaton that like you know yeah. they'd love to holler out, uh, Brittany, please, and if you need to, I'll hook you up. Um, are, are are you looking to you know take some meetings and and talk to other folks? Uh, across the spectrum of of creative disciplines here, like what's what's your current vision for this, uh, or is your dance card so full that even if you had those conversations, it'd be like, well, we can get to you next year. Uh, well, so it's an interesting position. I mean, you know, our li little cinema as a focus has always been extremely focused on film and TV. You know, we've never we. Uh, as a creative studio, we turn down a job if like, you know, a fashion brand would come to us and we're like, uh, not, you know, we're a car or anything like that. We were very much like, we're interested in narrative. We're interested in storytelling. 
and our focus is on film and television. Um, so having said that, that's, that kind of one remains the focus. What we are experiencing though, is there is definitely a need and a thirst for this and our ambition is huge. So one, uh, we're in, we're in a period of growth. Um, our biggest, our biggest current obstacle is back-end engineers. And again, back-end engineers, if you are listening, hit up Little Cinema. Uh, we would love to have you. Um, but ultimately, we're, we're doing a few things. So one, we're partnering with studios to actually build them virtual cinemas. Okay, so this is, you know, the same way that they would go to a theater and rent it out for the premiere events. We're, you know, trying to make their life easy and trying to allow them to have uh, these cinemas that they can control with their own brand and their own identity uh, and, and be able to do screening events at relative ease uh, and design each studio, you know, design each cinema to meet the different needs of the different studios. Um, so that's one thing that we're kind of actively working on. Um, but then ultimately, you know, and this is going to be interesting with The Alienist, our heart is as a theater company. Um, and, you know, very much we do strive on innovative experiences and storytelling. And we are interested in kind of continuing to explore um, consumer-based models. So stuff that's in the pipeline or giant watch parties, you know, similar to what happens at these closed-off premieres, but, you know, to be able to go in and watch a film with 5,000 other people, you know, with talent, with people that are related to the film, kind of live commenting and having that ex excitement. Uh, that's in the pipeline. And we're also looking to work with a variety of different theater groups to see if, you know, we can create some sort of um, larger scale consumer-based theater model uh, where it's interesting enough in the level of quality and detail and polish that you're getting justify and warrants buying a ticket. Um, so that stuff is also in the pipeline. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, it's, 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 a, we're in a, currently in a unique position where we're only really taking jobs that are, you know, of interest to us uh, so that there's kind of creative merit and creative integrity uh, to these jobs that we're doing. Um, and also just trying to build the really kind of keep cementing the really strong um, technological bones that will allow us to also server just the general needs of the film and TV industry at more ease. Um, and probably quarter four or potentially 2021, uh, we might be open to work with other industries. All right. Well, folks, keep an eye on what Jay and company are doing because it is definitely some of the most interesting work I've seen out of the pandemic era and it feels like it has legs beyond it. So Jay, thank you so much. I know it's got to be a crazy busy week. Um, so thanks for taking time on a Monday to talk to me uh, when you're just uh, three days out from the next big premiere. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. No, I really hope people can come and enjoy and, you know, discover who killed Alejandro Valdez with us. So um, yeah, hope to see you guys all at, uh, at the close off red carpet premiere on Thursday, but also at the open to the public, anyone is welcome and the cost of admission is free. Please, please come and see us and, uh, on Sunday Eve, who killed Alejandro Valdez. Thank you very much for, uh, for speaking with me though. I appreciate it.
once again want to thank Jay Rinsky of Little Cinema for being our guest on the show today. Check the show notes so that you too can see what they cooked up uh, for this fan event for The Alienist, which will be this Sunday, the 19th. Um, that's it for the show today. Um, <laughs> I, I, no real notes, uh, on, on my end with everything that's, that's going on. Uh, I might have some stuff next week. Um, just kind of a, been a, been a personally rough week. Um, nothing anyone can do about it. So, you know, just slogging, slogging forward. Um, so I'm not feeling chatty. If I felt chatty, you, you just, you don't, you don't want to go there. Um, so there's all that. Uh, yeah, be good to each other, wear the mask, um, you know, uh, submit to, uh, everything immersive. If you've got shows, uh, you know, spread the newsletter around, uh, make some noise, uh, you know where to find us. That's, that's really all I got for you right now. Um, I, I hope things get better, uh, for everybody soon enough. There's, there's bright spots on the horizon, you know, and there's bright spots at the moment. What little cinema is doing right now really is really is a bright spot. Um, I'm 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 so damn impressed with what they're able to pull off, and uh, and really, uh, you heard you heard all the work that goes in, and it shows. Uh, I'll just leave it leave it at that. It shows. So there we go. Um, let's do the, the usual, uh, let's, let's, uh, check this out. Our sustaining backers for no proscenium are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F. Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Samuel Mystery, Sidney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, Brittany and Elaine. You can join them at no patreon.com slash no proscenium. You can find everything we do at no proscenium.com and everything immersive.com and in the everything immersive group at Facebook. Uh, the music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. I'm your host, Noah Nelson. Uh, and until next time, thank you for wearing the mask. Mm-hmm.